7 a.m. and Cape Radio Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. And this is Table Talk with me, your host, Mark Penrith. And on Table Talk, we have various guests come on in and we shoot the breeze. We have a conversation with them on a number of different uh, biblical subjects. And we do invite you to that conversation. Um, so as we speak, feel free to send through any questions that you might have or comments. And we'll try as best as possible to bring those in. Um, and I do want to say thanks to all the listeners who last week were so active on WhatsApp and on SMS and on Facebook. It was great to have you guys interact with us. Um, in a while, I will give you the various different ways that you can interact with us this morning. In addition to my guests, who I will intro in a second, I do want to say hi to Vusi, who is at the controls um, and uh, steering the ship from behind uh, this morning. It's great to be with you, brother. Um, so, with me this morning, um, uh, via Skype, so if you're on Facebook, you will be able to see his face even now. Uh, with me this morning, we have Doug van Meerte. He is the pastor at Brackenhurst Baptist Church. Doug, can you hear me? Are you there? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Brother, it's so good to hear your voice. It's good to know that you are there. I'm looking forward to chatting to you uh, this morning. Um yeah, Doug, uh, let, let's just uh, talk about you for a, for a while before we introduce the topic, uh, the subject that we're going to be discussing this morning. Um, you're at Brackenest. Where's that on a map, uh, if you had to put your oh. finger down on it? Yeah, Brackenest is in Alberton, so it's in the, the south of Johannesburg. It's about as far south as you can go and still be considered in Joburg. <laughs> well, we'll have to speak to the people from Joburg about that first, won't we? No, I'm only kidding. Uh, I, have some, I have some cousins that stay in Elberton and an uncle and an aunt, and my wife has uh, family and friends there as well, so shout out goes to all of them. Um, uh, Doug, how long have you been at Brackenhurst Baptist Church? And Describe Brackenhurst Baptist Church to the listeners this morning. Yeah, so I've been here for about just over 27 years, and um, Bragner's Baptist Church is a is a church that holds to the uh, Reformed um, um, Baptist Confession. Uh, we are a, um, a local church that takes seriously uh, membership um, and takes seriously the, the Great Commission. And yeah, we're we're a work in progress. The church was established in early 1970s uh, by Jason and Marlene Fundenhierfel and uh, yeah it's had a it's had a long history of being faithful to the gospel uh, I'm the third pastor here and uh, really grateful for the heritage of this church now brother it sounds like you don't have a Karoo accent where, where are you from and uh, how did you come to South African shores yeah, so I'm, I hail from the United States uh, originally. We lived in South Africa for nearly 31 years, and um, have raised our family here. This is uh, this is home to us. Uh, I spent, I guess, uh, more than half my life now here in in South Africa. Um, but yeah, we uh, we love being here. Oh, 
Yeah, I've I've known you now, Doug. I'm I'm guessing that we we would have crossed paths at some stage in the last twenty years. I was first at Midrand Chapel, and uh, I can remember even even fifteen years ago, um, uh, Brackenhurst was a key church. We used to go to conferences when you guys had missions conferences, and you'd frequently host guys from overseas, and we'd partner with you. And so I, I've known you for a while, and have always enjoyed your company and your uh, and your wisdom as you've spoken um, over the years to me on a number of different topics um, this morning what I'm hoping uh, is that we we really tackle a topic which is an issue of our day um, last last week uh, Doug we, we were talking to a, a group of doctors we were speaking particularly around coronavirus and Christ um, very pertinent very very um, important topic, lots of questions from the audience. Uh, this morning, I'm hoping that the topic is no less relevant, although it might it might at, at first face value be a little bit less hot button, um, but it certainly is an important topic in terms of um, people living out the Christian life in ways which are God-glorifying. So, so we just, uh, listeners, as you kind of wrap your mind around where we're going, we're going to be talking about hope um, amid a hopeless culture and um, living out the Christian life in a world which is certainly darkened and dark at this, uh, at this time uh, in history. I, I was reading a Spurgeon quote this morning, Doug, uh, just in in opening, I was reading a Spurgeon quote. It goes like this, and he has just such a an amazing use of language, um, flowery speech. Hope is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity, only to be discovered in the night of adversity. And so, mm. when times are dark, um, it's opportunities, and it's at that point often that that really hope gets to shine through that we that we get to reinvestigate to think around what hope is um, uh, to think about how do we acquire the kind of hope that God's word speaks about and and really get to consider things like where is our hope truly invested invested um, yeah do you do you want to kind of open up in terms of discussion as to where you're at on the topic yeah, I think I think Spurgeon's quote spot on. In fact, we could probably just end the the interview right now. No, we can't, brother. We uh, until eleven. That sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> sums it up well. Yeah, I I think that uh, for me, hope is is the ability to look beyond the immediate to the ultimate. And I think as we um, face really difficult times. Um, we we need to realize first of all they're they're not unprecedented. I, I read the other day that that's a word that's being banned from the dictionary because it was overused last year. Um, it, I think these times might be unprecedented in our lifetime, but throughout history, uh, Christians have always lived in cultures where there's been great turmoil, and I think it's particularly in these times where we can really shine the truth of the gospel. And, and help people to see that our hope is not in this world. It's not in this life. Um, there, our hope is in the Lord um, who oversees us in this life. Um, but if, if we're putting our hope in things, if we're putting our hope in health, uh, we're, we're going to be 
we're putting our hope, our hope in relationships. Um, even if we're putting our hope in the church, as strong as I am on the church, uh, that's going to fail us. Uh, our hope needs to be in the Lord. Mm. You, uh, yeah, I, I guess there's a lot that we're going to be able to unpack and talk about in terms of your opening remarks, particularly about you know that word unprecedented and the times that we live in, and uh, and really just talking about. In our lifetimes, maybe we are in unprecedented times, but certainly the world has been going through traumatic times um, since uh, Adam ate of the apple and man fell into sin. So, um, yeah, we, we certainly are going to be talking around that and, and maybe even um, touching on a little bit of eschatology um, as we look at, uh, at hope and how these things unwind. And the reason why I bring that up is because uh, on Facebook we got our first comment uh, uh, this morning and it's a shout out from Tyrell. So um, Tyrell, I want to say hi to you. He he greets two of his favorite pastors. Now I know he's talking about you, Doug, but I'm trying to figure out who the other guy in the room is <laughs> that he's mentioning. Tyrell, it's really good to have you online and, and listening. Uh, miss you, brother. Um, and even with Tyrell uh, commenting, l- l- let me tell you as the listener um, how you can come into the show uh, this morning. There, there are three ways. The first is via WhatsApp. The WhatsApp number for Radio Pulpit is 082-657-2729. You know what? When I'm listening to radio and somebody reads out a number, I always wish I had a pen and paper to write it down, and I never do, um, and it always runs away from me. So we'll call it out a couple of times during the show. Um, But just one more time, uh, the WhatsApp number is 082 657 2729 and you're welcome to send uh, uh, comments um, or questions uh, in for Doug onto that number Uh, you can SMS 37871 table talk uh, and you can phone in on 012-334-1322 and uh, maybe just to get the conversation started listener I'm really keen (coughs) to hear where you are listening from I really enjoyed last week going back through the comments and just seeing how diversified the audience that is listening to Table Talk is Uh, you certainly are from a number of locations especially if you are listening in from Alberton pop a shout out from Alberton onto uh, Facebook love to see that you are from Doug's home ground and home soil Um, and I give a shout out to the folk that are listening in in Benoni uh, particularly uh, regular listeners like Teresa um, Google Hannah and new listeners uh, from last week like Margie and Richard Uh, lovely to have you guys on the show as well so Doug as we as we begin this uh, conversation of on hope as we talk about uh, hope shining and being discovered in the night of adversity um as as you approach the topic when you're talking about hope what are we actually talking about what what, what is hope um if you had to give it a broad definition yeah so i, I think there's different levels of hope um and i'm open to correction but it, it seems to me that a biblical hope would be a, a desire that has a, a guaranteed fulfillment. So um, I think of Titus when he speaks about our blessed hope. What is our blessed hope? It's the, 
It's the appearing of Jesus Christ. It's his return. So we have a desire for that, but it's not just wishful thinking. Um, there's a there's a guarantee of of fulfillment. Hmm. So I think hope is very intimately connected to to faith. It, it it's not necessarily a replacement for that, but it's intimately connected. So you know, um, uh, I, I might I might hope um, uh, that. Um, I will live to a hundred, but I have no guarantee of that. So it, it's not merely wishful thinking. It, biblical hope is is a desire that has a guaranteed fulfillment. So it's going to be rooted in in the promises of God, and and inseparable from the faithfulness of of God. Uh, if that if that makes sense, I guess it really does. Uh, and I. And it stands in contrast to uh, what you've just said, this idea of guaranteed fulfillment. It, it stands in contrast to the way that we, we maybe typically use the word hope um, today in our culture. I mean, you spoke about you hope that you live to be a 100, but, but we often hope for a lot, don't we? Uh, we, we hope it's going to rain tomorrow. <laughs> we hope that South Africa wins the cricket, although I'm sure that's just fate accompli. <laughs> <laughs> almost a guarantee um but i'm sure the opposition hope that they're going to win the cricket um uh, hope hope often in terms of the way that we use it um has an element of doubt maybe built into our use of the word but when we come to god's word the bible and its use of hope it certainly stands on far more solid ground yeah you, you, yeah uh, for sure I think of the, the the psalmist in Psalm 42 and 43, when he says, "Why why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God." Um, and in both of those psalms uh, are, are rather dark. I mean, whatever despair the writer was experiencing, um, things were pretty tough. But he he talked himself into a right position. He, as Martin Lloyd Jones used to say, you know, he. He preached to himself. He talked to himself. He talked truth to himself, and his, his hope was in God. His hope wasn't necessarily that his circumstances would change, but his hope was that God was in charge, that God was in control, and therefore, whatever the result, he knew he was in good hands. Mm. I, uh, I have another Spurgeon quote. Um, and it links to it links to something that you were saying earlier on. You were, you were talking about hope really finding its foundation and finding its uh, its core and spilling out of the Christian's faith. Um, Spurgeon puts it this way: Faith goes up the stairs that love is built, and looks out of the windows which hope has opened. Faith goes up the stairs mm. which love is built, and looks out of the windows uh, which hope mm. has opened. This this idea of of a Christian's hope being connected to, um, linked to, um, finding a firm foundation in a Christian's faith. And of course, um, our faith isn't something which is given, uh, isn't something which, which, which we which comes out from inside of us it's it's a gift which is given from god uh, and so it shouldn't surprise us that that hope is also connected in terms of uh in terms of its source uh, in terms of from god i, I think of the uh, um uh, the, the spirit's work in in moving our hearts and and really developing uh, this wellspring of hope which spills out uh, of our life and can become evident and seen by all so, yeah. 
so as you approach the the topic of of hope um doug uh, l- let's set it in god's word um uh, and 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 just start to talk about um um hope as we find it uh, in scripture what are what are some of the lessons uh, that we we learn about biblical christ-centered hope in these trying days where, where, where do we go to in god's word in order to start to have a conversation about hope yeah i think you can you can go to genesis 1 and read all the way through <laughs> because um you know the bible gives to us the revelation of who god is it gives us a revelation of his purpose which is goldworthy said is god's people in God's place under God's rule and when you trace biblical history there were certainly many times where it looked like that was not going to happen um, you know the, 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 when you read the first two chapters of Genesis it's very hopeful um, it, it's nothing but hopeful but then sin enters and hope can be dashed and and then you know um, um, Abel is born, and uh, perhaps the the hope revives, and then he's murdered, and the hope dies, and then you know you just have this up and down. The um, you have the the godly seed being registered in Genesis five, and then you have the world a mess in chapter six, seven, and eight, the flood and destruction, and but in, in all of that, there's this undergirding hope that God's purposes will be fulfilled. And, you know, you think of Abraham when he was um, given the promise of a seed that would be more than the sand and more than the stars. Um, you know, he, he held on to that hope um, uh, in even when he was an old man and had no heir. And even when he died, he didn't have a lot of seed, um, but there was still hope. And, and you just trace it all the way through the Bible. And I, and I think when you, for me, I love Hebrews 11. I mean, it's the faith chapter, but it's also a hope chapter. Um, maybe we could put it like this, Mark, that, that faith is the conviction that God's going to fulfill his promise. And hope is the disposition that arises from that. Um, so you see these great heroes of the faith. They were persuaded that God's word was true, that his promise would come to pass. And that gave them a disposition of hope when everything otherwise seemed completely hopeless. Well, I, I, I really love that because I, I know Hebrews 11 well. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very well-known chapter. It's a chapter that we would go to um, often. It's, it's such an encouraging um, view of those, of those key people in God's Word. Um, but really, it, it starts off with both faith and hope. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Um, and and you, you used faith and hope, you brought it together in what could really be a quotable quote, Doug. Um, and I got that hope is a disposition. Faith is a? Conviction. Faith is a conviction. Hope a disposition. So faith is the conviction that, that God will fulfill his word. And that produces um, a disposition of hope. So as I as I think of I mean you and I are talking to one another right but but we have people yeah. that are listening in on this conversation and I have no doubt that some of the folk that are listening in are are sitting in circumstances um where 
life has been darkened there's a shadow there's a cloud over them and maybe some of that disposition of hope has been robbed from them and so i i definitely want to get practical and i want to talk about about how we can um how we can be stirred toward hope and and how hope grows within the heart of a believer um, I, I definitely want to get us to that place but but even before we get there um, you, you were talking in, in terms of, of biblical theology and, and, and talking about the whole Bible as as a as a, uh, a container wherein we can have this conversation of hope in and you went all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 but but you, you, you came to that key chapter um, where things really went wrong in Genesis chapter 3. Um, and, and really, as sin enters into the world, th- that is the point where, where hope is robbed. That's the point where, where things go awry. And yet even in that chapter, we have the first glimmers of hope piercing through the clouds of darkness and sin and shame that man is experiencing. And, and I wondered if we just wanted to go back to Genesis chapter 3 and just and just talk about the the reality of sin how sin came into the world how hopelessness uh, entered into the world um, and then how God begins the process of restoring hope to humankind great so brother we we obviously have a picture it's a garden it's perfection it's uh it's amazing we have uh, adam the first man we have his wife eve the first woman the two are crowned in majestic splendor they are uh, regents co you know uh, given dominion over all the earth and they are given the task of ruling over the world um, they are walking with God in the cool of the evening. I mean, it, it can't get any better than that. Um, yeah. um, certainly by conviction and by expression and by experience, um, it must have been just the most incredible, joyous time uh, for humankind. Um, but then sin enters. And uh, I mean, yeah. maybe you want to just talk. How, how does sin rob us as humanity of hope? How, how does sin change the game? Um, and how did sin change the game in Genesis chapter 3? Yeah, so sin at, at its root is, is rebellion against God. Um, it's rebellion against God's rule. And since God made man in his image, uh, he made man to be in complete loving fellowship with him um, as the as the Trinity is in fellowship um, we you know man at creation was designed for that and as long as man followed his design, then there would have been nothing but but hope, and again, not wishful thinking, but there would have been the certainty that in, indeed the world would be filled with others like them who also were in fellowship with God, and the entire world would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. But once Adam and Eve rebelled against God, when they trespassed his, his law, then they cut themselves off from the giver of hope. Um, there's a sense in which they cut themselves off from their created purpose. So there's no way that you're going to live a life of, of hope 
in what God has promised when you're running away from God at the same time. Um, so at that point, things did look pretty hopeless. I mean, if you look at the uh, the curse upon uh, the woman and upon the man, that's that that's that was a, a pronouncement of, of of a hard life. Mm. It didn't sound very hopeful. Mm. But of course, and I love to get to you know, it's in verse twenty one when you have redemption, and the Lord um, brings about the first death, which was not Adam and Eve. They continue to live. Um, for a long time, but he brings the death of, of an animal, and I'm only guessing, but I'm assuming it's a lamb, and he clothes them in the the lamb or the substitute or, or the skin of a, of a substitute, um, and then there's hope. Uh, in fact, um, she, you know, Eve is still the mother of all living, uh, because there's hope that the seed promised in Genesis 3:15 is going to come to pass. So, so I've I've jumbled a whole lot of stuff together there, but um, they, they were uh, when they were walking close with God, there was nothing but hope. They rebelled against God, the world becomes hopeless, but God in His grace restores the hope by the substitutionary sacrifice um, and the shedding of blood on on behalf of of sinners. Well, you and hope's restored. Well, you've now raised Genesis chapter three verse fifteen and. And we're talking about certain hope here, certain absolute hope that we can stand on that is solid ground and a firm foundation. And Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 reads, I will put hostility between you and the woman, and yeah, God is speaking to the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And yeah, we have promise. Um, it is the promise of a seed who will ultimately do away um, with this with this beast, with uh, with ser- with the serpent. Um, ultimately, who we know from the rest of progressive revelation uh, is none other than Satan himself. Doug, how is it that Jesus Christ is the ultimate hope for humankind? How is it that he is the ultimate substitute, the 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 ultimate Lamb that was slain for the redemption of sin? Yeah, and, and that's as you're reading that, it just became clear to me. I mean, you you have at least two concepts there. You have the concept of hardship, right? So he speaks about hostility. We know in the verse that follow the hardship of the man and the woman. So you have hardship, but but he doesn't he doesn't focus on the hardship. We don't focus on it. We focus on the the hope mm. that the seed um, uh, that the, the serpent crusher is going to come. And so Jesus Christ is our hope because he's the one who, unlike Adam, when he was tested, when he was tempted, he continued to obey God. He he didn't violate the law of God. He 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 stayed in a right relationship with 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 his father and because he overcame sin um, because he did not sin um, our hope of salvation is in him he was able to defeat Satan where fallen man um, was at least temporarily defeated by Satan and so when Christ came and lived a perfect life and then when he died on the cross as a substitute for all those who repent and believe on him and when he rose from the dead, securing that salvation, um, I mean, that is the ultimate hope. And that's why we look forward to his appearing when he sets everything right. And the and, and we, we go back to even better than, than Eden. Um, and that's something that will give us hope 
um, in an otherwise pretty hard life. Pretty hard life. So we are in 2020, we are in 2021, right? Yeah, <laughs> last yes. year was 2020, uh, 20 not so yes. plenty, uh, which means Let's that we are, now, <laughs> which means that yeah, we are now in 2021. Can you believe it? I mean, basically calendars are out the window. Lockdown just gives it makes time mushy. <laughs> you know, I yeah. can hardly even remember which day of the week I'm on. Um, but but as we as we kind of start to talk uh, about um the year and now uh, and the hopelessness that that folk are feeling and folk do feel because of present circumstances and as we talk about um the trying days that we are in what are some of the ways in in our in our modern world in 2021 that that, that rob us of hope what are, what are some of the the devices that that wily old serpent of old still uses um to sneak hopelessness into the lives of man and humanity yeah, I think there's lots of answers to that. One of the things, this is not an order of priority. Sure. But I think an understanding of history is really a, a wonderful means towards developing hope. I, I just read a few weeks ago a biography of the sixth president of the United States, John Quincy Adams. And when he was voted out of office and Andrew Jackson was voted in, uh, he didn't go to Andrew Jackson's inauguration because he was so opposed to his um, to his policies. And when I and this was the early 1800s or maybe 1820s, and it, what struck me in reading that biography was all the the polarization between political parties in America and the nastiness in the press towards one another. And so I, I, I kind of smiled in the last few weeks. When I see all that's happening in America, as tragic as it as it was, there was a sense of perspective, because this is not the first time. And, and I think that as Christians, when we understand history, and particularly the history of the church, we we don't need to lose hope. And you look at the church came through the the the, the Black Plague. Uh, the church has has come through intense persecution in parts of the world. Many places still being persecuted. But when you read history and you see the, the conquest of the gospel, uh, for me that gives me great perspective that, and that's why I think we need to be careful about the, the word unprecedented times. Maybe unprecedented for us personally, but it's certainly not in, in the history of the world. And again, there's no better history we should know than, than scripture. And as you, you read through the, the Old Testament and you see, this, again, this biblical theology is so important. About the time we think that our situation is so bad, go back and read some of the accounts uh, in in the Old Testament, and it certainly gives gives me gives me hope. I'm preaching to the Book of Numbers now, just started, and uh, I'm I'm loving it because mm. again, there's history there, and it's given me perspective about where we are today in our in our culture and as a church. Okay, so so we're definitely going to draw then a little bit in terms of where you guys are in the book of Numbers because there you've got the hope of the promised land even in the midst of some 
dire circumstances that the nation of Israel is going through. I, I, I was listening to some of what you, were, I mean, I was listening to all of what you were saying, but my my mind kind of like rested on something that you said um, in the in the previous segment, where you were talking uh, about what is happening now has happened before. You spoke about the sixth president of the United States. Um, you, you spoke about him not attending an inauguration and just the spiral of history. And my mind went to the book of Judges, where you see mm. this hopeless spiral over and over again as the nation is lifted and then as the nation spirals into sin and as um, um, uh, massive um, forces, external forces come into the nation um, there is a, a sense of either persecution or alternatively uh, repression is probably a better word, repression on the nation of Israel and they cry out to God um, because in reality, if their hope is going to be found anywhere, it can't be found in their circumstances or even in their own selves. It must be found in, 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 in God himself. And they reach that, that low point. They cry out to God. And what does God do? Well, he hears and he sends a judge. And you have this spiral of judge after judge coming to this people who continue to sin and continue to spiral and things get worse and worse and worse through the book of Judges. But but you really get a sense as you go through that book of of history and what has happened before happens again and the uh, and the same set of scenarios works itself out over and over again um yeah yes. in in a scary kind of uh, uh movie scene as if you've you've watched part one of the show and part two is working out exactly the same way yes yeah and and, and that's the value i think that's the value of of preaching the old testament uh, particularly, I mean, the New Testament has its own history, but you read the Old Testament and you look at things look so dire for God's people at times, and they were such a minority. I mean, you think about what the writer of Hebrews says about those in the wilderness. It says basically they they all died in the wilderness. Um, you know, you have you have Joseph, you have um, uh, Caleb and, and um, Joshua. They survived. But everybody else, they dropped in the wilderness, those over the age of 20. Mm. And yet, there's a new generation that, that comes along in Numbers 26, and they're going to enter the, the promised land. So I think that that gives great, great perspective. What That quote you had earlier about Spurgeon, that hope is like the star, mm. it, only, it shines brightest in the darkness. Uh, perhaps that's the reason God allows these dark times in our lives, is so we can get back to a biblical hope. Um, and stop, and stop trusting uh, things that are temporal, mm. the falling and fading. We're talking about we're talking about certainty, right? Um, that hope is this this certainty, this this disposition which is settled, and it's settled really in the promises of God, and the promises of God are yes and amen. Um, we we spoke in Genesis chapter three about this promised seed, and and the fact that even in Genesis chapter three with these dark storm clouds um, hope is piercing through and shining through and Jesus Christ is promised um, as you were talking in a in a previous segment one of the other wonderful um, kind of promises of hope or, or, or manifestations of hope that we see as we look at church history is and uh, these were your words the the conquest of the gospel over time I, I don't know if you if you said over time I'm, I might be adding that in but certainly the conquest of the gospel as we look back over church history is something that should give 
Christians today hope that even in the darkest of times we see the gospel is making ground, that the kingdom is coming, it is rolling out. Just like Jesus said, I will build my church and against it the gates of Hades will not prevail. We actually see him doing that. Um, we see it in the book of Acts and then we see it as we look through the history of all the ages. And that should get get us pretty excited as believers. I mean, it really should. Any other nuggets yeah. that we take out of church history as we as we look back on on previous eras? Yeah, you know, I, I, as you were talking about that, Mark, I was thinking about Adonair and Judson um, in in Burma, which is what Myanmar now. When he was in Burma as a missionary, I mean, things were very very dark. In fact, the the, the British had, had imprisoned him at one point. And he was he was in, in prison with a, uh, another uh, Brit, and this Brit was not a believer. And Adoniram Judson was sharing the gospel with him. And though he was terribly mistreated in prison, he was beaten. Some accounts, this happened while he was actually being hung upside down by his feet. Wow. And this man was taunting him and said, you know, where is your, um, where is your God now? And where's your hope now? And Justin said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And I, and I always think that's an amazing, I like to picture him hanging upside down, being persecuted, and yet saying, you know what? The future is bright because of the promises of God. And though today there's a lot of paganism still, a lot of unbelief in, in that part of the world, I know personally people who are doing great gospel work in that part of the world. So, yeah, I think we need... That's why I love to read biography. Um, constantly love to read church history. It gives me it, it gives me hope. Um, it, it helps my disposition when I'm when I. You probably never do this, but I fall into those woe is me times, huh? Um, <laughs> so I tend, parties, I tend you know? to I tend to live life at a, a little bit of a high. My kind of like average is uh, is generally whistling while skipping down the street. Um, <laughs> but but that doesn't mean I never ever. Um, go into woe is me moments so just like everyone else that's listening in <laughs> we all yeah. experience that um I, you, you were talking maybe just add yeah, that sure. I, I think it's just so important that we have huge doses of reality that you know jesus said in this world you will have tribulation mm. and the, the 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 false promises that many even purporting to, to say in the name of christ that Life is going to just be breezy, and uh, one um, victory after the other. That's not what the Bible teaches. Um, there are people who suffer, and they suffer. Christians, faithful Christians, who suffer deeply. Um, but it's in those times where they can still have hope in in the ultimate. So, Doug, if someone's listening in, and uh, maybe they, they 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 hear this topic of hope. And they hear some of what you've spoken about. They've heard us talk about God's Word. We've spoken about the book of Judges. We've spoken about the book of Numbers. We've spoken about Genesis chapter 3. And they hear us talking about 
biographies. I, I just want to give them something practical that they might take away from the show today because we're, we're coming up on you know 10 minutes to go in the first hour. So uh, I, just in terms of kind of practical takeaways up until now, what are a couple of places in Scripture that you might go to? We also spoke about Hebrews chapter 11. What are some of the places in Scripture that you might go to in order to bolster hope um, or in order to read about hope or in order to be inspired to think about about hope and then you mentioned um, biographies uh, maybe you just want to give one or two biographies that you've read that are particularly aimed at at, at hopefulness in dark times um, I'll, I'll yeah. come in uh, I've got a couple that I'm thinking of now as well <laughs> so yeah I, you know I think Psalm again I mentioned earlier Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 mm. are really great passages where um, the, the the individual is surrounded by darkness and he talks to himself he talks truth to himself and 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 says hope hope in god mm -hmm. and he says that several times so i find those are important passages to to really meditate on you know obviously the psalms the psalms are are filled with hope but they're also filled with hardship um and i think that's why people turn to them um, because they're real, uh, it, it you know I think is it Psalm eighty eight the last word is darkness, um, you know I mean I, they, they don't brush aside the hardships of life, mm. but but they're always turning us to hope. I read Psalm fifty two this morning and was struck by the fact that God's steadfastness is day unto day, and and it struck me um, that that's how I need to live my life. We talk about God's steadfastness is everlasting, and it is. But we need to we need to atomize that, as it were, and bring it down to right now. He's 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 steadfast in His love. Um, and then the writer goes on and says, "I will I will trust God, and I will thank Him, and I will wait on Him." So I, I find uh, those Psalms very 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 helpful. The Book of Philippians, when you consider Paul's context, and yet he's writing about joy. Mm. Um, those I mean, are those I, are passages that I turn to when I really need to feed my hope. Maybe just to um, just to underline what you're saying, Psalm 42 um, is a go-to psalm for me uh, as well, uh, a psalm of longing after God, and Psalm 88, really a, a cry out of the midst of desperation. And then you spoke about Paul's context in the book of Philippians. Well, he is chained to a Roman guard. He is yeah. in jail. And yet, at the same time, it is a psalm. Uh, it is a it is a letter that, if you had to give it a a, a one word summary, that summary w would need to be joy, because it's just so apparent uh, as on, on each and every page that that is what he is writing to elicit um, out of the Philippians, who he has in mind and he has in his heart's eye. Um, yeah, yeah, great. That's excellent. Psalm 42, Psalm 88, and Philippians. Philippians is just four chapters. You could read all of that in probably under half mm. an hour, and you would be well served as you go to God's Word and discover God's heart of hope even in the midst of darkness. Uh, that's been a really good theme, The the, the mm. putting those two words together, hardship um, and hope, those two H's, hardship and hope. We saw it in Genesis chapter 3, and, we've, and you've, you've raised it a couple of times. Thanks for that. 
Um, brother, a couple of uh, biographies. Can can I can I start off? Uh, just in case yep. you just in case you steal mine. <laughs> yeah. If you if you want to read a biography that really sets hope in the midst of hardship and this idea of gospel context, then I recommend Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, on my reading shelf, in terms of my favorite three books, next to Valley of Vision and Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Fox's Book of Martyrs has a special place, not for its literary brilliance, (laughs) or even uh, in terms of studying it, always for its historical accuracy, um, but but for its for the way that it stirs my heart as I read account after account after account of martyrs, people who have laid down their life. Um, for the sake of Jesus Christ and for the gospel and um, people that have served God with their whole lives and yet the the key theme through the book is really one that the gospel conquers the gospel wins the gospel is victorious there, there is a thread of hope the whole way through it it's it's not a downcast book it's a it's an uplifting book and, and certainly one that I have always enjoyed watching uh, watching, yeah. re- reading. There, there's yeah. no, there's no yeah, Hollywood movie of <laughs> Fox's Book of Martyrs. Yeah. Um, but it is available as a free, as a free download um, online. If you type in Fox's Book of Martyrs, I'm guessing if you went to Wikipedia, there'd be a wiki sources um, for it. Or if you went to um, a good website such as um, Mona. Monagism, you'd find Fox's Book of Martyrs as a PDF download there. I, I have no doubt. A yeah. couple of couple of other books, uh, Doug, that you can think of, or biographies. Yeah, two, um, two. I think it's called "To the Golden Shore," uh, which is the biography of Adoniram Judson mm. by, um, oh, I forget who it is now. Um, who wrote Anderson? I think wrote it. Um, that's excellent. Um, I found reading the biography of Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, in fact, anything she writes, I find encouraging because it's always biographical. Um, I mean, when you consider her situation, everything she writes, she's going to write out of the context of suffering. And she's helped me immensely um, uh, with her honesty about the hardship she faces and yet um, her hope in the midst of that. Um, The biography of Charles Simeon, who pastored in the 1700s in Cambridge, went through really tough times the first dozen years of his ministry and he persevered and ended up in that church for 52 years um that was a great a great uh, encouragement a book the puritan hope um by ian murray is an account of the puritans and their eschatology but their their hope in the conquest of the uh, of the gospel not really a biography but it does address the issue of of hope um yeah, those are some particular ones um, that have been an encouragement to me. Oh, that's uh, that's really excellent. And uh, if you're listening in uh, on the radio right now, I have dropped those um, books, those titles, those authors, and those people uh, into a comment on the uh, on the Facebook thread. Um, Facebook, uh, lots of folk have been uh, has been giving shout outs. Um, I am trying to figure out how to get my comments to show more than just. Uh, the relevant or uh, the the latest ones right now on the screen i can see roland eskenazi um who is uh, talking about bonhoeffer um who was sent out uh, of prison a few months before he was executed uh, and uh, 
turned into a hymn uh, by gentle powers loving uh, lovingly surrounded um and he sends greetings from brussels uh, to both of us Doug. Okay. so shout out yeah. to roland always lovely yeah, to roll. see you on online brother um and yeah. then Pete, uh, peter ian cable also says hi doug and says we have joy in christ and passes on blessings to you um, Doug, as we as we come up to the hour, um, just uh, a few minutes to go, and uh, really just to summarise this this idea of of hardship and hope, this uh, this Spurgeon idea of of hope shining through the darkest hours, um, what really would be just something key that you'd want to convey to the listeners before we go to a break? Yeah, I, I, I suppose one thing and the major thing is is our hope really is grounded in the character of God. Mm. So, you know, the best book, the most impactful book I ever read was Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Mm. And, 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 and that's the key for, for a Christian is knowing God because when you know God and you know his character, that gives us hope even though everything's screaming to at us that it's hopeless. Mm. Knowing God and knowing his character and this idea of, of hope being a certain disposition um, flowing out of faith, which is that conviction that you spoke of earlier. Well, we are now coming up for 10 o'clock and uh, even as we do, we are going to listen to some music. We're going to listen to Hope is Alive um, and uh, looking forward to that. Faith, hope, and love. Experience victory in your life on 657 AM. Cape Pulpit, 729 AM. Uh, this morning, I am on Table Talk. It's Mark Penrith uh, from Crystal Park Baptist Church, and I'm speaking to Doug Van Meter from Brackenhurst Baptist Church, and, and we're really talking about hope um, hope in the midst of what in our lifetimes often feels like a very hopeless time we've spoken about things like how not unprecedented the times that we're living in are how the Bible gives us a faithful record um, of having hope in the midst of hopelessness we've spoken about uh, chapters of God's word Genesis chapter 3 we actually worked through the book of Genesis we've spoken about the book of Judges the book of Numbers we've spoken about Psalm 42, Psalm 88, we've spoken about Hebrews 11, and um, plenty of places in God's Word that you can go to in order to um, really start to sink your teeth into the topic of hope, or maybe even speak to your heart uh, on the topic of hope. During the break, um, Doug, I, I just saw that Peter on Facebook uh, spoke about the book Five English Reformers by J.C. Ryle. You know, Peter, I've actually got that yeah. on my shelf. I've read that. That is an excellent book. Thank you so much for uh, suggesting it. Um, that does bring up ways that you as the listener can engage with Doug and I uh, on Facebook in the comments. Uh, you can also speak to us via WhatsApp. The WhatsApp details and number is 082-657-2729. I want to give a shout out to my friend Teresa. Um, it's great to see you online, bud. He says, greetings to everyone. Trust you are well. Can faith and hope be used interchangeably? Can faith and hope be used interchangeably? Uh, and if not, how do we separate the two? Uh, 
tend to struggle to find uh, to define them both um, and that was something that we spoke about in the first hour Doug but maybe you just want to kick us off by by just briefly talking about faith and hope um, in the last hour you spoke about conviction and disposition uh, th- those were great but y- do you want to flesh that out just briefly again yeah and, and I think it can't be emphasized enough that, that faith really is the, the conviction that God will do what he promised and I think in Hebrews 11, I remember the very first sermon I ever preached, I preached from Hebrews 11 probably 35, I don't know, maybe four, almost 40 years ago. And I remember learn, digging that chapter, and I came away with the definition of faith, that faith is is oh, obeying God's word because of a confidence in his character. And so I think faith is that conviction mm. concerning God's character. It's a conviction concerning he's going to do what he promised. And then that produces in us a, a disposition of hope. If, if I can just read this, I was looking during the break at Romans 8 when Paul says that um, for the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and how he subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we, f- we wait for it with patience. And, and I think that, that kind of summarizes it. We have this conviction that one day all of creation is going to be delivered from the bondage of sin. Mm. We, we know that because God's revealed that. And that conviction, therefore, gives us an attitude of hope in the midst of all the, the groaning. And one day, faith will become sight. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I've run a few marathons in my life, and... When I start a marathon, I'm I, I'm hoping that I will finish. The last hundred meters, I'm no longer hoping because it's basically done. Um, and 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 through the marathon, I'm reminding myself I've trained for this. I can do this. It hurts, but I can do this. And I think the Christian life is like that. We have this conviction that God has promised something to us, and when we hold on to that, then our disposition. Is hopeful. Is is that is that helpful? It's certainly helpful to me. I, I do trust that it uh, answers Teresa's question well. And Teresa, I look forward to. See, oh, I'm not going to see you on Sunday. I miss you, brother. I really, I'm, I miss being with you. Teresa is at Crystal Park Baptist Church. Um, but uh, shout out to him and and thanks for asking the question. It, it does it does help to bring us into the second hour of the show. Doug, during the during the break, um, Vusi who steers the ship drives the controls make sure that the lights stay on uh, during the show um was uh, just whispering in my ear and, and, and pointing out that that there is a teaching out there um there's a teaching out there that sounds something like hope and hope uh, in other words you just you you hope until it's done you you kind of you speak positively until uh, it comes into fruition it doesn't matter how dark it gets you talk as if it's light itself 
um, with a desire to see things come through. Um, and that is common because I, I hear that in people that, you know, either drift into church and drift out of church or people who, who come from, from other church backgrounds. Uh, can you talk to that a little bit, uh, this idea of, of where hope needs to be found and, and how this positive confessionism that we see around us in the world um, plays is different to what you are ultimately talking about this morning? Yeah, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember Robert um, Schuller, in, um, who got his teaching from Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. And that's that has become almost mainstream today. Um, whereas you said it's it's like it's it's a it's a hope and hope, or that is it fideism or fideism, faith and faith. Mm. And I think that's dangerous because in the Bible the, the hope was 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 never wishful thinking. Um, it was rooted in the promises of of God. And so I think that today people need to be very very careful. I. You know, we hope that this vaccine um, is going to sort out our problem. Um, we don't know that for sure. What, what we do know is that God is in control. Um, we, we hope that, that people who are ill with COVID will not die, but many of them will. Um, and, and, and when we're just having hope and hope and wishful thinking, that's when people's faith crumbles when things don't work out the way they thought they 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 would or the way they should, so I think we we the faith must come first, and the faith has got to be grounded in the revelation of God, and if God has not revealed an outcome, we should be very very careful about having an unbiblical hope in in an outcome that God has not promised. Um, I, I think I, yeah. I, I think that. And without bashing on this, a lot of the prosperity guys that a year ago were were um, saying that this COVID was going to come to an end in a month. Um, and I remember one guy said in March last year in America that when the summer comes, God's going to send the heat and kill the COVID. Well, summer's come and gone, um, and COVID is still with us. So we need to be really careful that we're not uh, ha- hoping for something that we have no biblical basis for. I hope that one day this world will be glorified, and that is a certain hope. Uh, I have a hope that Christ will return. That's a certain hope. Um, I have a hope um, concerning some people I know that God will heal them. I don't have a promise about that. Hmm. You you talk about this hope of Christ's return, uh, and and this brings up a, another area, another another joy. For Christians in the midst of what is a hopeless time or, or, or a hope-stealing time. Actually, I think that's maybe a, a better way of phrasing it. We, we don't live in a hopeless time because we live with hope. Uh, we live in a, a, yeah. a time which is which which seems to be trying to steal hope from us um, as if it was a commodity that could be taken. Um, and you speak about, about Jesus Christ and the second coming. Now, now, we've spoken about a couple of things that we can have hope in. We can have hope in the promises of God because they are certain, they are yes, and they are amen. Uh, we can have hope in Jesus Christ himself. We spoke about substitution and um, the work of Christ 
Christ on the cross, the the certainty of our salvation. Uh, you, you now raise a, a a third area that that there is a certain future which awaits us, uh, heaven's glories to come, and 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 I'm looking forward to us getting there. But but just the idea of Jesus Christ coming again. <laughs> gets me excited the the idea of standing before jesus and and meeting him as it were face to face uh, the the presence of our redeemer the the presence of our lord the presence of our friend uh, that stirs up within me a, a great deal of excitement uh, and and hope now this works out a little bit differently um, as as believers of uh, different stripes come to God's word and battle through what God's word says on that which has not yet come to pass, um, there, there's a couple of different approaches, and 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 you and I might differ a little bit. And because Tyrell's listening in, and uh, we always spoke about eschatology and uh, and and laugh together as friends in terms of ways that we uh, approach these matters of end times, I, I'm very interested, Doug. You you come from a you come from a background of um, of progressive understanding of these things maybe you want to just describe the journey that you've taken and and then just describe different ways that Christians come to the understanding of how things are going to work out uh, in the end times and then we can apply it to how Christians might see what's going on in the world around them right now yeah so just very briefly I, I was um my background was a dispensational premillennialist. Praise the Lord. I was raised in a church that taught that. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a uh, Christian university that taught that. But as I began to preach the book of Matthew many years ago here at Brackenhurst, my view changed. And uh, uh, I, I embraced um, uh, what I would call postmillennialism, or at least an optimistic amillennialism. And the bottom line is, I, I do believe that um, the gospel will, will will conquer, and I think in some degree we all believe that, um, and that once um, th- that conquest has happened, Christ will return, and then he will bring everything into glory. I don't think we're going to usher in the glory. Christ will bring that in. There'll be the resurrection. There'll be the final judgment, and uh, all the world will be glorified, um, and believers in glorified bodies. So, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. The, the final outcome, we would be in agreement on. Um, but I think where we where differ is, I don't think. I oftentimes hear people saying that we live in a post-Christian world here in South Africa, or people in the West will say that. I actually prefer to say we live in a pre-Christian world, that actually the, the gospel is advancing by ebbs and flows. So when I read the news, uh, I'm not. Um, worried. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not pessimistic mm. uh, about the future, uh, and I'm not pessimistic about the the church. Um, so that that does help me. I, I like what one guy said that eschatology is not the most important thing about me, but it does influence everything I do. And <laughs> I like and I think I, I our like view. It. That's interesting. Yes, our view on the outcome, the, our view on the end end of things. Um, can give us great hope. But I want to be careful about that because I think we've built up these straw men. I know a lot of pre-mills mm. like yourself who are hopeful. Um, so I don't, we don't want to make too much, about, uh, too much of an issue about that. But I do believe that in these days, we shouldn't be concluding this is the end of the world. I don't think we have any scripture that points to that. And many people, probably many of your listeners would disagree with that. Um, the fact of the matter is this war could go on for another five or 10,000 years. 
Um, I often say we might, you know, future generations might laugh that we we burn petrol and they're running their cars on water. Um, we, we just tend to think that our generation is the one that's arrived. Um, who knows what God is, is, has planned for the future? So look, uh, as we think of, of eschatology, um, and as we think you've spoken about preterism, and you have spoken about premillennialism, how would maybe our view of how things are going to shake out, how revelation plays out, how would our views possibly influence the way that we're living here now, just very simplistically in, in language that I can understand? Yeah, I think there is a danger with a particular eschatology. And, and again, you're talking about a spectrum when it comes to eschatology, right? Yes. Um, but I think that there is a particular eschatology that that teaches this is the end. Let's just circle circle our wagons until Christ returns. Um, I don't think that's a a helpful biblical nor a hopeful way to view the present. Um, I think what we need to be doing is taking advantage of every opportunity to to make disciples and trusting God for for the future. When we, when we begin to draw conclusions that this is the end, and, I, and I'm, I'm 60, almost 60 years old, and I've heard that throughout my life, you know, um, sure. but I've, you know that, that the Russians, you know, were, were coming, and this was the end. And then I, then I watched the, 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 wall, the Berlin Wall fall, you know, so uh, again, perspective over time. But, yeah. but I do think that there's that, uh, there is a, is a danger there. I think at the end of the day, my eschatology just gives me a sense of settledness that this is not necessarily the end, um, that there may be thousands of years still of human history where the gospel is going to, to, to go forth. So I'm not looking at the coronavirus as, as something that is, you know, somehow found in the book of Revelation. Hmm. So I guess uh, on behalf of all premillennialists everywhere, um, the, the the other end of this conversation, in ge- well, look, we're, we've just got two guys in the room, so we're just offering two views here, uh, would be to say that I'm looking for a rapture of the church as the next prophetic fulfillment that we see in Scripture. However, I look at the world around me and I see how God is bringing a whole lot of things together that seem to sync very well <laughs> with with how we see things shaking yeah. out in Revelation, um, in the middle bits, you know, the big chunky bit in the middle that no one really understands, that's a little bit dim and a little bit misty and a little bit hazy, but is the revelation of God that is to be understood and to be read. I, I see things coming together in world history, um, leaders rising and, and nations rising, and uh, the, the, the very presence of Israel in the Middle East, I, I look at that and I, I scratch my head, I get excited and I go, well, that's to be understood it needs to be there in order for the rest of the book to shake out in the way that God said it would Um, but the next event in prophetic history that I'm looking forward to is a rapture of the church and then for events to start to unfold so I'm not hopeless in the world that I'm living in because I've been given a great task and the task is to preach the gospel to all nations to every tribe and tongue because God is bringing a people in right now to his own praise and glory and that's the task that he has given his church and while we are here we need to get about the business of doing it 
then I guess where our two paths begin to narrow and we come very close together. So whether you hold to one view or the other is that we both believe in a physical return of Jesus Christ, a gathering of the saints, a resurrection of the dead, a judgment to come. Um, and and whilst the word judgment should conjure in it great fear to those who are not in Christ, to those of us who are in Christ, it should conjure uh, a massive amount of joy, a massive amount of celebration, you know, pre-celebration. Uh, it's like uh, when South Africa won the World Cup in, uh, I mean, I can't even get the dates right, maybe 2009. Uh, I remember the jubilation on the streets and us, you know, driving around and hooting in our cars because we won the World Cup. The World Cup hadn't even happened. Uh, and then I remember another kind of celebration when you know the first ball was kicked or when the first South Africa or maybe the only South African goal was scored I think it was <laughs> Bafana Chabalala uh, kicking a ball and scoring a goal and just kind of like an entire nation erupting in joy uh, you, you know there's a, a pre-celebration and then there's the actual celebration I'm looking forward to the actual celebration I've got I've got hope that that the certain promises of God will come to pass but my heart's already celebrating now and it conjures up joy in my heart and even hope for that which will come to pass um, in the year and now even in the midst of darkness and clouds and storm light pierces through yeah I appreciate that and and I think it just highlights the really important point that we need to be careful of of straw men um, because you know the the hope that you're speaking about is the same hope that that I have. Mm. Um, I, I think the difference between you and I would be the timing of it. Sure. So I, I think you would hold to the fact that Romans 11 speaks of a day when a massive number of Jewish people will be converted. At least that's how I interpret that. Um, and I think most pre-mills do as well. So yeah. I hold to that. Yes. I just think the timing's different. I think that's going to happen before Christ returns, that a n- massive number of Jewish people will be converted. And, and maybe that's why God's gathering them right now in, in Israel. Uh, to be converted, and then a massive number of Gentiles. So at the end of the day, we, we get there. Yes. Um, I just get there correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, brother. I love that. Uh, you make me smile, and you make my heart uh, uh, go warm. So so l- l- let's now bring it away from, because if we spend too much time in, in future things that are a bit hazy and that we don't necessarily agree on every single point in, uh, we could miss the the tree um for looking at the forest and 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 I really want us to come back to to the kinds of things that that listeners might be struggling with for the kinds of things that we might be struggling with and 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 I want us to talk around um how we might bring hope to our congregations um and how they can maintain their hope in these days but you know actually Doug even even before we get there um, maybe there's something which we have presupposed as we've been talking to one another and as we've been discussing through this, uh, that the folk that are listening in are, are believers, that they've put their faith in Jesus Christ and they have a valid claim to the hope of Christ's second coming, to the hope of a substitutionary atonement in the person of Jesus Christ, to a hope of the promises of God in his word. And and so maybe we should just take a step back and and just remember that there would be a diverse group of people that are listening and a real opportunity maybe to talk about the gospel and how the gospel becomes the doorway for hope um and 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 i'm gonna pass the baton on to you brother so philippians 1 21 um 
I think it's 121 where Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And with all of our talk of eschatology, there's there's one point of eschatology we all agree with that that we're going to die. Mm. Um, that that you know, I'm planning on dying. Mm. Um, and, so, we, and, and so we when I die, I'm, I'm going to stand before the Lord. And when I stand before the Lord, am I going to stand in my own unrighteousness or in the righteousness of Jesus Christ? So my only my hope, and it's a it's a biblically grounded hope. It's a it's a it's a certainty that when I die. I will be accepted by God because I'm accepted by God right now in the Lord Jesus Christ, mm. um, who lived a perfect, sinless life, mm. who died in my place, and who rose again and intercedes on my behalf. And by God's grace, repented of my sins, I've trusted in Christ, I've been born again by the Spirit of God. That is my hope. So whatever happens with COVID and whatever happens with the economy, mm. um, you know, at the end of the day, my biggest problem has been sorted. Mm. Um, I'm, I was a sinner, I am a sinner, and I have a savior. Mm. I, uh, and I think that is, that is fundamental. Yeah, I absolutely love what you've said and how you've said it. And, and just to underline what you've said, you've spoken about the death of Christ, you've spoken about the resurrection of Christ, and you've spoken about our response to that and repentance. Uh, and maybe just to talk about h how the death of Christ is hope the the truth is man was without hope we we spoke about genesis uh, chapter 3 and man falling into sin and the bible is very clear that all have sinned and fallen short to the glory of god and the wages of sin is death it's a it's a hopeless situation except for this one glorious divine fact jesus christ emmanuel god with us came into the world to save sinners just like me <laughs> and I'm the worst of them Paul says and I affirm not that Paul is the worst of them but that I fall into that category too uh, a sinner in need of a savior and on the cross as Jesus died he died as a substitute for our sins again casting our minds back to Genesis chapter 3 you spoke about the the animals which which God killed in order to make the skins that covered man's shame uh, in that great and glorious chapter hope in the death of Christ but then hope in the resurrection of Christ um, Jesus rose from the grave in victory over death in victory over the wicked one in victory over sin that we are slave to victorious over all of those things he gives us hope that he is the first fruit of salvation what a what a, what a joyful glorious uh, amazing thought that if Jesus Christ lives we might live too uh, and then yeah. in that bound in that I mean that would that would be information it would be news but it wouldn't be good yet it becomes good yeah. as we realize that that this grace which is on offer from God this gift of Jesus Christ which is on offer from God this restoration and reconciliation of man to God is achieved not in my own strength in my own works in my own power in my own goodness but is achieved by God himself it is a free 
gift that he gives to us um, and we are called upon to put our faith which is a gift in him um, to repent of our sins to turn away from our sins and put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and we would live and we will live um, and listen if you if you're listening in today that's the gospel Jesus died for your sins Jesus rose from the grave and all men everywhere are called upon that's everywhere Johannesburg Pretoria Alberton Benoni Pofada um, down in the Western Cape where you have that glorious mountain all men everywhere are called upon to put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and they will live hope in Jesus Christ in his resurrection in his death uh, in his person and in his work um, it's a glorious thought uh, and then we come into this this hope of the second coming of Jesus Christ being 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 able to see him in his resurrected glory and rather than fear him because judgment is coming upon the nations and um, being able to stand before him and worship him forever and ever and ever united to Christ and united with one another in sinless perfection <laughs> it, it, it is it is a glorious yeah. thought um one worth and one well dwelling on. Amen. Mm, so, so Doug. Yeah, just add, yeah, just yeah, add of course that, again. Mark, um, yep. that Paul said, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And I think that sadly there are many people, many churched people, mm. many religious people, their hope is only in this life mm. because they're not trusting in Christ who, who died and rose again to to save them hmm. I'm, I'm just looking on whatsapp and uh, just to remind the listeners that the whatsapp number is 0826572729 and i do want to say hi to denise um she spoke of her pastor angus uh, mckee good guy out on the very far west rand he's been preaching from mm -hmm. revelation the songs of heaven i even love the title thanks for adding that uh, uh, to whatsapp denise I, i'm interested to hear from you doug and and you did bring it up earlier in the show i'm interested to hear from you uh, in the midst of coronavirus in the midst of a world under lockdown in the midst of people losing jobs in the midst of people losing family um what have you been preaching at Brackenhurst Baptist Church <coughs> and why? Yeah, so when the lockdown began, I was in the book of Mark, um, well into the book of Mark, so I just continued through Mark. And then once, we, once the lockdown was lifted and we could gather again as a congregation, I did a brief series rooted in Ephesians on what it means to be a member of the church. Um, but I planned a long time ago to to go to the book of Numbers because over the years I preached through Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, and and I like to just keep going in that direction. So I started preaching the book of, of Numbers a few weeks ago, and I have just found that actually so timely because here they are in the wilderness. Um, they are in a situation where they are completely dependent upon God. Um, if you look at their circumstances, they're very challenging. And yet they are mobilizing to go forward to a, a brighter future. So I think that that's at least it's, it's at least helped me um, in my perspective, and hopefully helping the congregation. And I do think that this is a time for us to 
and and then Sunday evenings, our other elders are preaching through the book of Ecclesiastes, mm. um, which I think you recently preached through, or you're preaching through it now. We're in um, year two. But, yeah, and, and I think that that's very helpful because, I mean, we're learning right now all is vanity, right? If it just lived yeah. under the S-U-N. Mm. And the brothers who are preaching through the Ecclesiastes keep reminding us of that, that if we live life under the S-O-N, um, that's where our hope is going to be found. Mm. Um, but I think what, wherever we are, we want to be, again, pointing to what you pointed us to so well a moment ago, the gospel of Christ. Mm. Because the gospel is the foundation for our our hope. Mm. And, and, I'm, and I'm also, uh, we've resurrected this for several months, up and through about the mid-October, I think. We were sending, the elders were sending daily devotionals to the church, uh, things that were on our heart just to help keep the congregation, congregation focused on Christ. We started that again this week because of these lockdowns. Uh, I just think the more truth we can get into our lives, um, the more hope we're going to have. Mm. Um, but it's been tough. I mean, the, the not being able to gather has been a, a huge uh, burden for all of our churches um, but I think just keep preaching the word and pointing people to Christ. Um, that's the, the source of our hope. 66 books in the Bible. Um, what would you give as a one-paragraph pitch why people should take a look at the book of Numbers this weekend? Well, I think the book of Numbers is a reinforcement of the principle that God has always had a plan to um, be present with his people. And again, it goes back to the biblical theology. Numbers fits right into that that revelation that that history is marching on and God is was increasingly hmm. presenting himself presencing himself with his people. You know, you mentioned in the early part of this program in, in Genesis where Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. They had his presence. And then sin comes, and now they're cut off from God. But then God presents himself uh, in the nation of Israel with the, with the tabernacle mm. and then the temple. But all of that leading to Christ, um, who um, Emmanuel, God with us, that he tabernacled amongst us. And the church of Jesus Christ is the dwelling place of God. And so I, I think Numbers, actually, I'm excited about Numbers 2. And if you read Numbers 2, you think, what can you be excited about Numbers 2? But it's rich about God ordering his people with him at the center. Um, so, yeah, I think Numbers is, is a glorious piece of the biblical theology pointing us to God's determination, his delightful determination to dwell with his people, mm. and to persevere with us, mm. um, and to be patient with us. Um, and, and again, it shows the faithfulness of God. So that was more than a paragraph, but... Oh, I'm that was great. Um, in actual fact, I, I'm just thinking of my own Bible reading uh, for this week coming. I, I think I'm going to go back to the book of Numbers, and I'm going to read through it myself. One of the reasons is, uh, as Crystal Park Baptist Church has been looking at lockdown, we started on the 26th of March, or the first Sunday after the president announced the hard lockdown, we started with a five-week series just looking at the church. What is the church? What isn't the church? Why? 
for us at least, uh, online expression of church wasn't um, church in its fullest. And, and we wanted to convey that to our people, remind them that the church is more than just a sermon on a Sunday, remind them that it is uh, God's people um, uh, gathered in God's way doing God's things to God's praise and glory that actually wasn't the definition that we used the definition was way better than that <laughs> but that was my paraphrase um, uh, I, uh, uh, we, we then went back to our um, our series through the book of Ecclesiastes I am amongst the slow I mean slower than me would be uh, would be the good doctor uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones but I am amongst the slowest of preachers I I really struggle um, to go much more than a few verses a week um, I frustrate myself I certainly frustrate my wife um, but we have been going through the book of Ecclesiastes but one of the reasons why we've been going through it so so slowly uh, and you right to say life under the S-U-N under the sun um, in light of the S-O-N for those of us who are believers uh, th- that is a th- that's a great kind of high level um, uh, uh, explanation of what's going on in the book of Ecclesiastes just how, how vain everything that we tend to live for is um, but 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 as I was going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and the reason why we slow down so so much is because Ecclesiastes really focuses on the sovereignty of God in all of life, the sovereignty of God in all of life, and 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 really uh, as we were feeding our people, there was just a recognition that that they were that they were we were eating steak every Sunday as we went through uh, that glorious book. It's been so practical to where we are, so joyful um, to go through. And then just before Christmas, um, we started looking at at John chapter 1. And my, my eyes and my attention and my heart were really drawn to the verses in John chapter 1 verse 14 where we read that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's where I wanted to get to on Christmas. Um, but because I'm I'm fairly slow, we ended up doing a six-week series <laughs> through uh, verse 1 uh, through to verse 18. We still got one sermon to go. Um, but the reason why my, my heart was dwell was was drawn to Jesus dwelling among us is is that word dwelt. Jesus came into the world. Jesus was observed by the apostles and by John in particular. He saw him. He touched him. He heard him. Um, he he sat underneath him. He knew. Jesus Christ um, but that word dwelt really throws one's minds back to the tabernacle um, Jesus dwelt he tabernacled he tented with us a- and then John says and we beheld his glory which is what we remember uh, in the ta- uh, in in the book of numbers as as the glory of God descends we might even call it you know the Shekinah glory of God the the physical manifest presence of God and 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 I I really wanted to draw that out and and to talk about John's wonder this best friend of Jesus Christ the one whom Jesus loved John's wonder at the person of Jesus Christ and how Christ really is the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy and is God with us Emmanuel and so we we spent quite a bit of time there and I, I think going into the next year, I'm going to be spending the next week um, reading through, now numbers, <laughs> but also the minor prophets. And uh, we're going to be looking at a number of minor prophets uh, and interspersing them through 
the remainder of Ecclesiastes. We we're at the end of chapter nine at the moment, and and as we come to an end and draw to a close of the book of Ecclesiastes over the course of this year, uh, we will go through a number of minor prophets um, as we look forward to what they were looking forward to, and uh, as we uh, as we stir hope in the hearts and in the minds of our people. That's kind of that's kind of where we're looking at. Um, yeah. Just, just a, just a definition. Um, Gene Hunter, who is at Faith Baptist Church in Vitbank, and I, I really want to say a shout out to the folk that are listening in from Vitbank and folk that are at Faith Baptist Church in particular. I uh, interacted, I think, this past week. Uh, Time is a bit of a blur, um, but with David McCram, uh, I interacted with him over the last week, and so I know you guys, <laughs> and uh, I, I know Vitbank well because I know uh, Colbeck and Smith, who's in that city as well, and Clive, who is at Faith Baptist Church. So, do you want to say hi there? Um, well, one of the things that uh, that Gene suggested is that we just explain a couple of terms uh, and one of them would be just uh, eschatology we're not talking about eating snails that's escargot I think uh, wh- what is eschatology uh, we were talking about it earlier Doug so it's a study of the last things this, um, yes. so it's a, it's basically the study of how is it all wrapped up in the end so why do us pastors use such crazy big words? I, I mean, uh, why do we use words like this? Are we trying to impress each other? Are we trying to impress people that aren't in the inner circle? Why such big words? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. But we're talking about the, the end. We can all understand that. And we can what, all understand what, that. What the end looks like. So It's okay. Yeah. I think I used eschatology before you did. So um, it's my bad. I, I should have explained that. Thanks for pointing that out, Gene. Really appreciate it and glad that you are listening in. You know, Doug, as we... As we start to kind of land the plane and head toward the end of the show, um, we've got about a quarter of an hour left to go. Um, as we are thinking about thinking about hope and thinking around this topic of hope, what is the key, the, 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 the biblical key to maintaining hope? Um, how does and should the ministry of the word fuel our hope? Um, where, where do we start in terms of stirring hope in our hearts um, and and where do we go to if we have hope in our hearts in order to maintain it and in order to secure this hope um, where do we start with those kinds of things so I think you have to start with the gospel because if number one you're not a Christian whatever you hope you have is really just it's uh, wishful thinking at best. Um, but the kind of hope we're talking about is a hope that doesn't just get us through this life, but it's a hope that's actually anchored in eternity. And so if someone's going to have a biblical hope, they need to start with with the confession that they're a sinner and that Christ is the only Savior, and by repentance and faith, uh, embracing him as their redeemer and and then hope begins we're we're preaching through first john as well intermittently in our church and uh recently one of the elders preached from first john um three see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of god Mm. and so we are the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him beloved we are god's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared 
but we know that when he appears, we should be like him because we, have sh- we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And so it seems to me that John, um, who had lived a long life at, at this time when he, when he writes this, uh, his concept of hope is the hope of Christ's return and our being uh, made Christ-like. And so I think we need to continue to be reading the Bible looking for Christ. He's the source of our hope. He's the goal of our hope. And so, again, that's why I'm just, I'm such a, I wasn't taught this. I wish I learned it earlier in my ministry, but biblical theology is so important. And as pastors are preaching Scripture, make make sure you're preaching Christ in, in all of Scripture. That's what gives people hope. Uh, and, uh, you know, think about this, Mark, that, you know, coronavirus has a shelf life. There's going to be something else down the road that's going to be a challenge to us. Um, and but 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 Christ doesn't have a shelf life. Uh, he transcends every plague. He transcends every problem. So keep pointing people to Christ. So a hope in Christ that is based on God's word. And you spoke about you you've spoken about biblical theology again. And I, I do I, I want to come back to biblical theology because I want to talk a little bit about the promises of God, and and how we can we can read God's word and read God's promises and, and how we go about really discerning um, promises that we can appropriate for ourselves. Um, but maybe just when you talk about biblical theology, Doug, what are you talking about? You, you use the word context um, of scripture. You've spoken about the whole of scripture. What are you talking about here? Yeah, when I see biblical theology, what I mean is that the Bible is not is not just 66 individual books with different themes. Mm. It's 66 different units that is all focused on the same theme, which, again, Graham, um, Graham Goldsworthy put it this way, that it's, it's basically um, <clears throat> God's people in God's place under God's rule. Mm. And we might, we could summarize that it's about the kingdom of God. It's a God. It's about God bringing His kingdom into this world, and bring subjects into His kingdom. And of course, the King is Christ. So from Genesis to Revelation, it's it's all progressively being revealed in in the Bible. Um, Christ coming into His kingdom, Christ ruling and reigning. And I think when you keep that theme in in mind. Then whatever book you're in, whether it's a minor prophet, whether it's Numbers, whether it's Philippians, whether it's Revelation, it's all um, connected to that theme, which is a Christ-centered theme. Mm. And so Christ is in all the scriptures, and we need to be looking for him and pointing others to him. So the, this idea of of God speaking rather than than just kind of pulling out a verse here and pulling out a verse there and applying it however we like into whatever context we personally are in, um, this constantly encouraging people to read books, read the book of Judges, read the book of of uh, uh, of Numbers, uh, read the book of Philippians, or at least read chapters. You know, Genesis chapter three, Hebrews chapter eleven. J- just this idea of of getting context, understanding context, understanding that that the 
Bible is one book. It it has it has one story, and it is not in it's not at odds uh, with itself in different places, which which brings me to a topic. Often when we speak about hope, one of the ways that people try and stir hope in their in their lives or in their hearts uh, is by quoting um promises that they see in scripture and and, and as i've been because I, I i spend quite a bit of time on facebook and as i've been seeing some of the the memes some of the posts some of the one-liners that people are putting down I, i'm struck that folk often want to appropriate promises that are meant for someone else for themselves personally um and and i was just i've just been giving some thought to that and i'm thinking of the listeners and i just want to talk a little bit about the promises of god and how we can use them really to stir hope in our hearts um and i want to remind you of three things listeners number one is god's promises are often conditional uh, do look for the word if if not in the verse then in the surrounding context around the verse um, God's promises, uh, God gives us promises to help us better submit to his will and trust him. <laughs> he, he's not giving us promises for cars and houses and health and wealth and happiness. Th- those, are, those are often what is quoted and often quoted out of context. A promise does not make God bend to our will. We don't get to take a promise that God has given to us and, and throw it back to him and say, look at how I'm living. <laughs> you, you need to change these circumstances. I, I deserve better or I demand better and do not assume to know precisely when where or how God's promises will be fulfilled in your life even when there is a promise that is appropriate to you even a promise of blessing do not assume that you know the when the where or the how that God will fulfill this particular promise in your life I want to talk about one promise that certainly has given me much hope um, over this period in actual fact over my entire um, Christian journey um, and that's found at the end of Matthew's gospel uh, Matthew gathers his disciples together it's on a, a big mountain in Galilee he had told them to go there um, after his resurrection and so faithfully they heading there um, the end of Mark's gospel is at the tomb at the garden tomb the end of John's gospel is while they are making their way it's on the Sea of Tiberias as they're making their way towards Galilee um, Matthew's gospel ends on this mountain in Galilee and Jesus gathers his disciples together uh, and we read that they're a mixed bunch of people it's not just the 12 because um, many worship but some doubt and then Jesus says those well-known words uh, the Great Commission um, he says that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him and he, he then sends them out he says go and make disciples that's the main thing that they're to go about doing make disciples of all nations and um, baptizing them into the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you um, as the church we are to make disciples and we're to do that by being a going baptizing teaching group of people and, and then comes the promise and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age and we know it's not just for the people that were on that mountain on that day and because the promise is that Jesus will be with his church as they go about this great commission task even to the end of the age and that's something which gives me a lot of hope
a lot of hope. I do have a hope in the substitutionary atonement of Christ. We spoke about that earlier. I, I have hope uh, in the person of Jesus Christ who came into this world and that we look forward uh, to coming again in glory at the end of the age. Uh, but one of the reasons why I have hope is because Jesus' presence is with me even now. Uh, he's with me as I face difficulty in my family or as I face difficulty in my job or as I face difficulty with my bank account um, or you know lack of funds in it. He's with me when I face difficulty in my health and he's, he's with me through all of life's struggles both up and down. Jesus Christ is with me as I go about his great and glorious task of making disciples of all nations. Um, Church of God, remember that you have the person of God empowering you, um, which should cause you much joy, give you much boldness, um, and stir hope even in your heart, even in the midst of dark times. And, uh, and so I do offer that as an encouragement to anybody who might still be listening in to us now, uh, an encouragement not to lose hope in the midst of the difficulties of life. It's good. Thank the, you. Brother Doug, we've got uh, just seven minutes to go um, before we cut across to the news this morning. Um, yeah, closing thoughts and uh, summary in terms of what we've been talking about for the last two hours. Yeah, I think your exhortation is very helpful. Is remembering in these days that we are that we are not alone in this, um, and. As I said to our church the very first Sunday of lockdown, though everything has changed, actually nothing has changed. Um, our mission remains the same. The Great Commission, as you just wonderfully exhorted, remains there, that we are to be making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That hasn't been put on hold because of a virus. Hmm. And, and Christ is still building his church, and we still have his presence uh, as we face these these difficult days. So I think we need to be constantly working on enjoying our communion with Christ. This is not the time to get lazy um, in our prayer life. It's not the time to become lazy in our reading of Scripture and, and reading truth. Um, in fact, you know, with, with curfews and all of that, in some ways we have more time. Mm. And rather than wasting all that time in front of, you know, our screens, um, we have opportunity to to be feeding truth to ourselves. I think that's so important at this time is is um, feeding ourselves to overflow with good uh, good material, things that are true, um, so we can think on those things that are true, and 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 encouraging one another. Um, it's, whether it's through Zoom meetings um, and when we're allowed to get together again, taking advantage of that. Um, you know, the writer Hebrews talked about that we need to consider one another and to provoke to love and good works. And how do we do that? Well, gathering together. And when we can, and if we can't gather physically right now, we can at least gather um, through other, other, other mediums. Um, so, yeah, I think if we're going to keep hope alive, we need to keep... Um, our theology sound. Um, so encourage one another in that. Thanks, Daga. I really appreciate you coming on this morning with me. Uh, I've enjoyed this topic. I, 
I'm going to assume, because it's ministered to my own heart, that it will truly minister to the hearts and to the minds of people that are listening in. Um, I think it's been a timely discussion, um, hope in our world, uh, that certainly is struggling with hope. Uh, We live in a very dark world, a a world uh, which is struggling um, to get to grips with its own finiteness, with its own mortality, um, with its own depravity. Um, and yet, as Christians, we have this amazing message of hope, um, and and we have it contained in these earthen vessels of clay. Um, but what a great and glorious truth that we have that we can take out into a world. And I do trust that we do go about our master's business. Um, you know, our, our prayers do go out to all that have been affected by COVID, to those who are ill, to those who have family that is ill. I thought now prayers go out to those who have been affected, maybe financially, um, have lost jobs, have lost uh, well-being. Um, uh, really, uh, it is it is a good time to be praying for your community and to be reaching out to your community and to your neighbors and to your friends, people that really might be struggling uh, in the midst of dark storms uh, of life. Uh, we also remember the elders and the deacons who are holding the line in local churches, uh, like Brackenhurst Baptist Church and back home at Crystal Park Baptist Church, as well as missionaries that are, are serving on foreign fields. Uh, often when we become so myopic, when, when things are difficult around us, we forget the good work which is going on abroad. We also want to remember and pray and give much respect for our first responders, for police and for firefighters and paramedics and our correctional service officers serving in our nation. You have been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, Mark Penrith. We are going to be going to the news shortly. So until next week, Friday, may our God richly bless you. Amen. At Radio Pulpit, we love the interaction we have with our listeners on all the social media platforms. It is also our way of giving everyone a voice that can be heard all over the world. Unfortunately, we have been experiencing huge difficulties with WhatsApp for a while now, and we are now forced to find a viable alternative. That alternative is called Telegram. Telegram is an app that works exactly the same as WhatsApp, and it uses the same telephone number as well. All you need to do to be able to chat with your favorite presenter is to download the Telegram app onto your phone and send your message or voice note the same way you always did. We will then be able to receive and answer your message faster and the privacy on this app is much better too. So whether you have an iPhone or an Android, the app pick is a white paper plane in a blue circle. Please download the Telegram app right away and make life easier for everyone. One vision, one voice, one message. Radio Pulpit, 657 AM and 729 Cape Pulpit. Impacting lives from Gauteng to the Cape. To the Cape. It is as easy as pressing a button. The message of life. Radio Cape Pulpit on 729 AM and Radio Pulpit, 657 AM. You're listening to Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit. It's 11 o'clock. Here are your news headlines. A political analyst says there is no such thing as a free vaccine in South Africa. 
Another high-ranking officer is accused of failing to protect slain Detective Shoal Kinney. And in tennis, the ATP Cup will be headlined by the likes of Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. Good morning, I'm Brad Kirsten. A political analyst says to ask South Africans to pay for the COVID-19 vaccines via an increased tax is an insult. This is National Treasury is considering raising taxes as one of, the, one of the several possible mechanisms to fund the vaccination drive. The country has over 1.3 million COVID-19 cases, with Gauteng, KZN and the Western Cape accounting for the most cases. Daniel Silk says there's clearly no such thing as a free vaccine in South Africa, even if presented as free. Stealth and direct taxes will likely be the, the de facto payment. We have squandered many billions of rand on state capture and other forms of graft and corruption over the last number of years. That money could have gone to the COVID vaccine. And in fact, the overall cost of the COVID vaccine for South Africa is not too great given the amount that we've squandered. So South Africans really themselves should not be asked to spend on money that should have been available originally through their taxpayer rands for a critical issue like the vaccine. Crime Police or Police Crime Intelligence Head Peter Jacobs is the second high-ranking officer to face an internal investigation following the assassination of 